What's up, everyone? We are back off our, what we could say is a little bit of a hiatus for us of a one-week hiatus. We are back with All In. I'm so happy that we are able to get our radio show. What is it? We lost count of how many weeks it is. Quarantine edition, though. We were all at home. Jordan Malik is with us today, putting us an uh, incredible job doing producing and putting the show together. So, Jordan, thank you so much for always being here. As always. Showing online. And Austin Fabiano is with us as well today. Off What's a few up? week break. White and Mambo. that is it. And my name is Jess Levine, and that is it. We It's going to be the three of us for today. And we are going to be talking about the Dak Prescott news. We're going to be talking about the NHL idea of a 2014 playoff. And we're going to be going into, we did last time, our top five moments of the decade. We're going to be breaking down our most memorable and our favorite game of the decade and really going in depth on that and talking about it. So why don't we go right into the Dak Prescott situation. And Jordan, why don't I swing it to you for you to explain a little bit of what's going on. All right. So Dak Prescott is currently, he has been franchise tagged by the Cowboys because he is a free agent. Uh, A franchise tag, for those that don't know, it's basically a one-year deal. He has to sign it. It is the average pay of the top five quarterbacks. So if he signs that deal, he gets a one-year deal of being paid like a top five quarterback. But every year after that, his salary gets multiplied by 1.5. So that's why we saw with Kirk Cousins, he signed the tag like three times until Washington literally could not pay him again. Uh, so that is why the Dallas Cowboys, they want to get him in under a f- actual contract. No one wants their player to play under the tag because that's just not, it's not secure. So Dak Prescott wants a short contract, which is a little out of the ordinary for players. Whereas the Cowboys want to sign Dak Prescott to a long-term contract. It's like a three, three years and five years is what they're both, uh, asking for. Jerry Jones wants five. Dak Prescott wants three. And the reason for that is, is that in three years, the the NFL TV contracts, they're expiring. So then in that fourth year, the salaries are expected to explode at, at, an, un, at an absolute insane rate. And Dak Prescott wants to prepare for that next contract so that way he doesn't get passed by for that payday. So that's why we're seeing like that 45 million tag, 35 million that's why those numbers are being those really high numbers are being thrown out there. Yeah, absolutely, great, great analysis there, Jordan. So, really, the question is: Dak Prescott wants wants forty five, the Cowboys want thirty five. I don't even want to talk about if he's worth forty five because we all know the answer to that, which is no. He's not but worth forty five today, but in like four years, he he might be. I, it's just because the the economy of the NFL quarterback is going to explode so much. That's absolutely true. Like, I mean, we didn't see Patrick Mahomes' stuff. accountant is going to be a very busy man when when it's time for Pat uh, for Pat's extension. It's very true. I mean, we saw the same thing in the NBA. I never thought Mike Conley would be getting thirty million dollars a year, but um, he is, and Steph Curry's getting forty, and um, other people are getting James Harden's getting almost fifty. So, but the question is: Is Dak Prescott right now is he worth the forty five million? And if not. Are the Cowboys kind of right on on the $35 million, or are they still even overreaching? Should, should he be paid less? And Austin, why don't I swing that to you first? Okay, so the answer, is he worth $35 million? It's a resounding no. I don't think he's worth $35 million. Um, That's simply because he hasn't really proven anything since his time in the league. And I don't want to bash Dak Prescott. He's got the talent. He could be a good quarterback. But 
he hasn't proven anything. And there are quarterbacks who have entered the league after him who have proven to be better than him. And they're getting paid less money. Granted, they just entered the league. But for him to be asking for 30 for 45 million, getting offered 35 and then turning that down. I, I, I don't see it. I don't know why he would turn that down. He's not worth the money. I would have taken it if I were Dak Prescott. But yeah, I know. I'll talk about this next. I, I see this as kind of a little bit of a catch 22. Um, is he worth the money? My answer would be no, but is he worth, is he worth the money compared to what the league right now values a quarterback? At? And the, the answer is yes on that end. And so let's, if we look at some of the top paid quarterbacks right now, Russell Wilson's at the top 35 million, which honestly rightfully so the guy had, through five interceptions and 30 plus touchdowns last year. What's he's not talked. He's actually not talked about as enough as, as being a top um, quarterback. Honestly, it's impo- almost impossible to say he's underrated, but he really is underrated. Um, Roethlisberger making for 34, Jerry Goff making 33, Rogers making 33, Kirk Cousins making 33. So then it's like, okay, let's start looking at some of the quarterbacks. Is he better than Ryan Tannehill? Just got $30 million a year. The answer is yes. Is he, would you have him over Jimmy Garoppolo, who's making 27.5? The answer is still yes. Um, would you have him over Derek Carr, who's making $25 million? The answer is yes. So if we're looking at the way the shortness of the way that the NFL is going to be expanding, and the same, very similar, have we, I kind of would like to compare it a little bit to the NBA, where as we saw those new TV deals, we saw players that should not be getting paid a ton of money getting a lot. We saw JJ Reddick making 20 plus million dollars a year on a one year deal. That's insane. He's, a, he's not even a starter, God's sakes. Um, so we're looking at a lot of guys getting paid a lot of money because of how much money is getting, getting thrown in by the TV contracts. Um, so Dak Prescott will be worth $35 million at some point. He actually had one of the best years of his career. Um, if we look at he's second in, was second in uh, yards this year throwing behind Jameis Winston because Jameis Winston decided to throw over 600 times. Um, 30, 30, um, 30, uh, touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Um, and basically it's honestly in the top, you know, top eight or nine in almost every single, uh, category for between yards, touchdowns, um, your, you know, yard yards per attempt. He's six, um, just yards per game. He's up there in terms of throwing, like, he had a great season. So should he be rewarded with 35 million? My answer would be right now, no. But if you don't sign him now, you may get screwed over and actually have to pay him so much more in two, three years. Then get him on the $35 million a year contract now. Um, if I was the Cowboys, Dak Prescott should sign it. Um, on a short, I would think the short-term deal is fine. The three-year million, the three, sorry, the three-year 35 million is a completely fair deal for right now. Because we're just going to see consistently, if Ryan Tannehill is getting almost $30 million a year to hand the ball off to Derrick Henry, then a guy that could, is actually second in passing yards this season should be getting enough money. So that's my thoughts on it. Jordan, why don't you take it away? One of the biggest difficulties with analyzing Dak Prescott is the fact that he has such a loaded team around him. Like It makes True. so much sense that he has the gaudy stats that he does. But when like he does not pass the eye test in any realm. I agree with you there. To me. Like, so if you take Dak Prescott and put him on basically any other team, does he succeed? Like, put him on the Packers. 
have him throw to only Devontae Adams, and then you have Geronimo Allison and Marte, uh, Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantling. Like, that, that's and, a lot. And- that's a lot. That's not Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb, or he had Cole Beasley for a long time. And, and Zeke and a great offensive line. And Zeke, and a getting worse but still very good offensive line because now they've yeah. lost Travis Frederick. Uh, they still have two very, very skilled offensive linemen. Uh, and Tyron Smith when he's healthy. but And Zach Martin still, right? Uh, yes, Zach Martin still. He's all-world guard. Yeah. But So there's no reason for him to not be successful. But at the same time, like if Andy Dalton was quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, I could still see them going eight and eight. Like I, I, it, I really think that Dak Prescott does not win you more games than Andy Dalton. Am, am I wrong on that? I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I agree Old with what claim. you're saying about the about the eye test. Like the eye test, he just he doesn't pass it. He's mediocre um, when it comes to stuff like that. Uh, when it comes to passing and sometimes his ability to read the defense. But at the same time, we it's the situation he's in right now. And, you know, they're just, they're quarterbacks that are just not going to get paid, even though they're talented because they're, or they're just not going to get recognized because they just don't have the talent around him. And Aaron Rodgers, you know, is, is an, really an anomaly because, He's some somehow still able to put a thirteen and three team together with a t- with a receiving core that literally is one of the last, should be one of the last in the league. Oh, um, ab- absolutely, yeah. Like there, there are plenty of teams that don't have the weapons around him that don't have the weapons that and their quarterback seats. And honestly, like I think in few years Sam Darnold's going to be a very good quarterback, but Sam Darnold has no one to throw the ball to. So how could I don't even think it's fair to like grade someone like that? How and- how can you throw to someone when your offensive lineman's below par? Your running game is below par, and your receivers suck. Like, how how did you put that on the quarterback? Then you and you so, can say the same exact thing about Andy Dalton. Even when was the other than AJ Green? Can you name a single offensive weapon that they've had since Chad Ochocinco? I can't. Oh my God, well, of, excluding Joe Mixon because Joe Mixon was like now. Tyler Eifert. Tyler Eifert. Yeah, when he was healthy for a minute, it's a, he was. But yeah, yeah, it's to say that's like one year when he was healthy. Yeah. So. No, I um, do you agree though, Jordan? That's like the the way that the contracts are lining up. If we're looking at someone like Tannehill, who literally gets paid to hand the ball off to Derrick Henry and throw fifteen times a game, if he's going to get thirty million, then shouldn't someone like Dak be getting at that point thirty five million because he could at least throw the ball? Like, I- I'm gonna sprinkle some respect on Ryan Han- Tannehill's name because some people. If you look at the stats, when Ryan Tannehill wasn't the quarterback, uh, Derrick Henry's yards per game and touchdowns were down by like 50%. Then when Ryan Tannehill was under center, some for some reason, Derrick Henry started exploding. Don't know why that is. I'm going to just okay. say that might have something to do with why he got paid. <laughs> okay. No, it, 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 no, it's, it's com- no, completely fair. But also, I mean, that comes with being able to execute on third downs and being able to extend drives. Yes. Less turnovers. He went 20. He had 22 touchdowns, six interceptions. I mean, that, that's, that's, quali- that's quality play on, a, on when he went seven and three as a starter. Yeah, I was just about to say he didn't. He team. threw 22 without uh, going the full season. He, uh, Marcus Mariota yeah. was still the starter in the beginning. I mean, at twenty, and if we look at twenty-two touchdowns over ten games, I mean that's better 
then just go over some of the guys that we were talking about before. Derek Carr, who's getting paid $25 million a year. Same as Jared Goff, who's getting paid in the 30s. Baker Mayfield, who has more commercials than touchdowns. Oh um, <laughs> uh, Kirk Cousins, who's getting paid in the 30s. He played 15 games and threw only four more touchdowns. So, no, I, I agree with you. It's just in the playoffs, if you're going to get paid $30 million a year, I expect you to throw the ball a little bit more than to hand it off to Derek Henry, but that's fine. Um, do, you, do, do you agree right now that he's just not – worth 45 million at all like it's not it's, it's ridiculous from task for on a three-year deal for 45 million is that fair i what so my thing is it all depends on how the deal is structured he is not worth like 45 million this year but in three years or four years or five years that makes a little bit more sense because you know patrick mahomes might end up making 60 million like i lamar jackson might be getting 50 60 million like whoever, whatever next quarterback is, you know, like if it's Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, uh, Carson Wentz will be no, he'll he might get another extension around that time. But like there's these there's a lot of other quarterbacks that with that explosion, it might not be so crazy. Forty five million in four years. Sounds crazy may, now, but but he may be but he may be asking for more money when the time comes. So like if he wants to get paid forty five million now, and then when the new TV deal comes in, he's gonna probably be asking for like fifty or sixty million. No, he Wait. wants the forty five on the last year of the current contract. Like he he wants to backload the deal, whereas most teams like to front load it. Like no, te- I, teams I, I rarely like to stack the money at the end of a contract. They like to get it like out of the way in the early parts of the contract. Whereas Dak yeah, would do the exact opposite. Of course. Well, it makes sense on his part. It, honestly, that, that I think that's fair because again, let's look, let's look at the something that most recently happened in sports and that's the NBA deal. When would we have ever said that sick, you know, role players are going to get paid anywhere from 17 to $22 million a year. Yeah. Um, you know, players are players are signing these deals like the Knicks. I'd like to, they were signing like Taz Gibson for two two year on a one on one deal for like twenty two million. I'm like, Taz Gibson sucks. <laughs> we also had we also had seventy million dollars in cap for Kyrie and, uh, and I, I, I get that it didn't work out. I it didn't work out too well for us. <laughs> no, but ser- but seriously, look at like look at the contracts that are going on in the NBA. If you're if you're a quality starter, you're making twenty five million dollars plus. If you are a great player you're making 35 million you know 25 to 35 million now and they, honestly if you're a role player you're still making about 12 to 15 million it used to be like a 30 percent cut on all those so i can yeah. easily see that's happening in the nfl and if that happens and we're talking about 20 to 30 percent increase then that 45 million is completely fair so i i get the Dak prescott thing and i get why the cowboys are hesitant also i'm gonna give you the last word really quickly before we go into the nhl idea stuff Sorry, my phone's blown up. Can you repeat that? I'm sorry. It's, uh, it's okay. So I want to give you the last word before we go into our next NHL thing. Um, I just don't think Dak Prescott right now is worth $35 million. I don't think he's worth it. But you guys made great points. I just still don't see it. It's okay. Well, he doesn't pass the eye test. I completely, I completely agree with that. Let's go into our next Amen. topic, and that is talking about the NHL proposed 2014 playoff format. I'll break this down a little bit before we start going into this. And I want to talk about whether it's this makes sense for the NHL, and also if this is an idea that the NBA should adapt. And granted, I just want to put there's 31 NHL teams, there's 30 NBA teams. I don't really think that makes a difference, but I just think it's, it's important to note. 
Um, and the NHL is broken into four conferences, four conferences of the having playoffs where the NA, where the NBA, while they have six conferences, the way the playoff format works is they're broken into two, which is the East and the West. So NHL is proposing a 2014 playoff. The first round will consist of 16 teams with the top eight seats having buys. It will be a best of five game series. And the winner of that will then play one of the eight teams that have a buys in a standard 16 team best of seven format to determine the Stanley Cup champion from there. Um, I personally love this idea for the NHL. And let me just go, I'm just, uh, I want to talk a little bit about why because of the seating. So if we look at the points for the NH, if we look at the points for the NHL, we have teams like the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Toronto Maple Leafs are, have, 81 points, and they're the third seed. The top two wildcard teams in, in uh, have 81 and 81. Below it, teams that are missing out on the playoffs, 80 with the Islanders, 79 with the Rangers, 71 with the Florida Panthers. If we look into the West, same thing. Calgary, 79 points. First, to the wildcard teams, 80 and 78. And then we have Vancouver at 78, Minnesota at 77, Arizona at 74, Chicago at 72. So the, so why I love this idea is because if we, you just can't put a cut on the NHL season when it was so tight. I don't think that's fair. It's like all of a sudden, you know, their strength of schedule. Some teams may have had the easy schedule coming up at the end, a lot of home games coming up at the end. And how is that fair to say to teams, oh, well, sorry, we just canceled the season. I mean, look, it's stuff happens, but you're one game out of the playoffs, you're two games out of the playoffs. Maybe you didn't play enough games. Like maybe a team played 73 games, whereas another team played 68 games. So if I'm looking right here, we have, for example, the Islanders played 68 games, while Columbus, who's one point ahead of them, played 70 games, and they would have made the playoffs while the Islanders won. How is that fair to the New York Islanders? It's not. So I love the concept of a 2014 playoff because it incorporates the team's that played competitive hockey this year that now are allowed to be able to play in the playoffs because they are, they were so close. Maybe they didn't have that home record. They didn't have, they didn't have the home games. They didn't have enough games. They had this easy schedule at the end It incorporates everyone more. So I love that concept for the NHL. I'll save my topics for the NBA. Austin, I want to get into your thoughts. Talk about this a little bit, but also do you see this feasible working for the NBA? And do you like this idea? I love the idea. And I, and I think it could work for the NBA. Um, I think that's because we're in a time right now where none of us thought that we would be in the midst of a global pandemic and everything is just on pause. And I think that this could work for the NBA because, number one, you have teams that are so close to the playoffs that this gives them the opportunity to just play it out and give them the chance to be like, OK, prove yourself that you could actually make it to the playoffs in this in this format. So like that's for that particular for that specific standpoint, it works because you have teams like the Pelicans who are on like the cusp of making the playoffs, and it gives them the chance to kind of just play to see if they can make it. That's number one. And number two, we have to kind of return to normalcy, I think, because we have to get through this season because all the players want to continue this season. Even though this would kind of be looked at as a season with an asterisk on it, we still have to finish it. And then you have to start preparing of the next season on when you start that because then they have to go through the off season get ready for the next season so we have to go back into uh the schedule that we were originally in where the nba would start in october 
So I'm hoping that if this pans out, then there's an off season. We delay the next season. And then by 2021, assuming that the pandemic ends, we go back to normal and the season starts in October. I want to throw, I'm going to throw this to Jordan, but Jordan, while you answer that, I also want you to ask, answer this question. Is it fair to go 12 in the East? If this, if you like this idea, 12 in the East and 12 in the West, or should it be the top 24 seats? If they're going to take into this concept, the same way the NHL is. It should be 12 in the East, 12 in the West. I, I think the, the West is the best has been so overblown the past few years. Like sure. They are a better conference, but there have always been like these periods of of time in the NBA where one conference is better than the other. Like that's just how it works. Like that's just that's sports, dude. Look at the yeah. AL East in baseball that's been stacked for years. Yeah, and there are times where divisions and conferences are just you know not competitive. Like how long was it? There was such a drought of the AFC winning uh, Super Bowls uh, up until the nineties. I think it, it was it was crazy and. Even now, like, NFC teams have historically won more Super Bowls than AFC teams. You don't hear anyone crying, like, you know, that we need to change that. Like, it's just sports. It is. NFC NFC East was the best division in football for how many years? Yeah, it's consistently yeah. one of the most competitive. And, 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 but now, it, now it's not that good, but that's fine. Like, it goes back and forth, so you can't. It's, I completely agree about It'll be a fast want. turnaround. It's very rare that two historic franchises like this Redskins and the Giants both, like, make these kinds of moves of just, like, firing coaches that – Jay Gruden was – he's been there for way too long, but – uh, the coach for the Giants, what was his name? He was only uh, wasn't McAdoo. They replaced McAdoo. Uh, no, no. Uh, Pat Shermer. Yes, like they they've been having a little revolving door of getting guys out quickly, which hasn't been the Giants' mo. They like they've had Tom Coughlin for how long? And you know they they don't just kick people out like that. Then that they're doing that because they need that twenty year guy. But mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, so yeah, there are these periods of time where just the, 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 the balance of power is unbalanced. So, and you can't just throw all of it away because of one year, you know, just have, have the best 12 in the conference and that's all. Okay. I'm going to go into my thoughts cause I can, I'll be honest. I disagree with you guys completely. I love the idea for the NHL. I hate it for the NBA. I think it's a terrible idea. Here's why. With the NHL, I talked about a little bit why it's so important because of how close these games were. Any game for the NHL, if you win a game in the NHL, you get two points. If you lose the game in overtime, you still get a point. So literally, if you're within two, three points in two games, you could be right in the playoffs or you could be out of the playoffs. In the East, you have the Orlando Magic sitting at the eighth seed at 30 and 35. With the ninth seed, the Wizards, five and a half games back at 24 and 40. I don't think any world that the Wizards deserve to be making the playoffs. In this format, Austin, the New York Knicks would be making the playoffs as the 12 seed. Hey, the man, Knicks, let, 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 let me live a little bit, man. The <laughs> Knicks, as much as I love them, they do not, the, them and playoffs do not deserve to be in the same paragraph, let alone sentence. But wait, wait, who, who, who deserves it more? The Knicks, who are the 12 seed, or the Suns, who are the 13 seed, who by therefore, if you're taking one away from the East, you have to give one to the West, the next would be the Suns. Do the Suns, do the Suns deserve to be in the playoffs? No, 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 no. But that's why, I, nope, that's why I hate the whole concept of 24 teams. I think that it should just be stick to 16 and 16, this eight and eight. I don't think that there needs to be an expansion because again, so let's look at the West now. But then what do, you, what do you tell the Pelicans? 
the, the Pelicans, you're yeah. three and a half games back, and you started off six and twenty-one on the season. So, so it's back. just tough luck for them. Yes, stuff happens at times, but they're three and a half games back. That still takes a lot of time for them to that they're not they're not that close. They're not one game. They're not one game back. And because again, that it's not a point system, and it's on a record percentage. That it's not how many wins do you have or how many points. It's what's your winning percentage. So it's I think it's a little bit different than in hockey where it's a point system where it wouldn't be fair because if you play three more games, you have the chance of earning six more potential points. Where in NBA, if you play three less games, that could either increase or decrease your winning percentage depending on how you play. I get it with the Pelicans. They have been nine and 11 and 9 since Zion came back, and they've really played excellent just since that. Horrific start. I mean, between Lonzo and Ingram, find really find their groove. And now the three of them, with, now with Zion coming into the mix, they played amazing. But it just that that's tough. That right now, the tough luck. You're also three and a half games back. You're not that close. So I, for me, that that's tough luck because it's. I think keeping an eight team playoff, if you really want, we could. I don't even. I don't even like the idea of ten. Um, I just think keeping eight, keeping eighteen playoff. I think that's much better. Um, and I, it's completely different. The NHL. I think it's two different different circumstances. Way of a way of seeding, a way of being able to determine who makes the playoffs. So that's my thoughts on it, Jordan. I want to throw it back to you since you had some stuff to say there. No, you made you made a lot of great points of just like you know if like you're fully allowed to like see it as just like a oh, tough luck like. I would still extend it even a little bit. Like, I don't think it's that damaging to just let like teams into the playoffs, especially if it's like the, the, uh, like the NHL is doing where the top teams get a buy almost. And it is like more competitive because no one wants to see the Lakers play what would be the Spurs. No one wants to see, like, you know, but seeing this, that actually would probably be a better matchup than people think. But like, no, I get it. No one wants to see the Knicks play the Bucks in the first round. That's easy. Look, for yeah, no one wants to see the Clippers he, and the Kings. Like, like if you do like that, that twelve, like that twelve team format for like per conference. I'm just saying that like you're no, the Knicks aren't gonna make it far. So like, yeah, it's just point. Exactly. It's pointless. Like, I would just say allow it, and then the Knicks just go home for the rest of the year, and we all cry like typical Knicks fans but I'm just saying that like for the teams like the Pelicans teams that are very close to making it it makes sense for them because it gives them the chance to compete with those teams and not kind of be out on the like out on the cold you know just it gives them the, an opportunity the, like, only that's re- my- the only way I see this working is if you say that now it's that because you're putting the top teams against teams that are in the bottom that that's their way of basically having a few games under their belt before playoffs really start. That's the only way I see it being fair. Um, but I just, again, I as as a fan and as someone who's a Knicks fan and watch, literally watching their team give up players so they could, you know, get picks, they were literally trying to do as bad as they could at this point and, and pr- prepare for the future, which is fine, they, as they should this year because it's a waste just as the last six years have been a waste but Austin, you concur there i'm just emotional about the next bro <laughs> um hurts but hurts, bro. i just i i i'm not i'm again i'm just i'm not a fan of the concept of seeing non-competitive basketball in the playoffs just my person my personal opinion on it I, I again i don't the it's different when it comes to scoring and sorry standings um and the way they do them 
And again, it's sometimes it's just it's just tough luck. I mean, it, 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 look, the Kings last year were the ninth seed, and they basically then they were like they were so close to making the playoffs last year. And like, but what what do you tell them? Like, it just it happens sometimes. Sometimes the tiebreakers screw you over too, and it's like what it's not what it's not fair. No, it's not fair, but that, that's just the way the rules are in sports. So at times that's, that's what, what happens. But so the, one thing you're I, three and a half games. You're three and a half games back even in the West. It's not like you're a half a game back and you are on a roll. Like you're you're still three and a half games back. And for the Pelicans, you have to jump the Blazers still. And for the Blazers, you have to win. You have to do three and a half games better than the Grizzlies over the next 15 games. That's not that easy. All I'll say is that if you do open it up to 12 teams, there will be an upset of a non-playoff team like making it. I guarantee it that... Even, well, whether it's the Pelicans or whether it's the Knicks or it's Boston losing, there will <laughs> there will be an upset and it'll make it all worth it. It'll an upset of I'm for, wait, I'm, who I'm for upset. Who would the Celtics just out of the top of my head like the Charlotte Hornets? The Charlotte. Charlotte Hornets beating the Celtics would be worth having to watch the Knicks play the Bucks. <laughs> like yeah, I'm sorry, Austin, but that's just not come, you know, so, Giannis. So I'm, I'm crying gonna, right now. So key, I'm, I'm gonna throw crying. two things at, I'm gonna throw two things, two questions at you guys. One, I want to go to Jordan first. So Jordan, if this happens, 76ers play the Nets first round. You you may be dealing with the healthy Kyrie and KD if he decides to come back for the playoffs whenever that happens. Are you still okay with this format after hearing that? I wouldn't expect KD to be back, but of course, yeah. Like, you know, we beat Brooklyn last year, you know, we'll bring it on. So, second. <laughs> <laughs> Brooklyn was a different team last year, man. Hey, nah, Jared Dudley, man. Jared Dudley was the MVP. What are you talking about? Yeah, Jared Dudley's been on some successful teams now recently. Yeah, Lakers, uh, bro. So, sec- the second thing would be is – what what amount of games is fair for the series? Do you, again, is it a five-game series to start off with? Is it a seven? Is it a three? Should it be a playing game? I think you should do that's it. a good question. Because a play-in might not be enough. You might play, you should give them some more time. Here's why, here's why a play-in's only fair. If, and again, I, I hate the whole concept of 24 teams. And I, I hate the play on, playing game even more. Because imagine the Lakers are playing the... Yeah. Uh, well, hold on. Actually, no. Why... Why are we talking about the Lakers? Sorry, playing the um, that would never happen. Sorry, because we we cut off the top four teams. So hold on, let let's change this up just a tad because we we completely messed up on something. The Pacers would be playing the Knicks first round because well, it would be the top four teams. Well, I don't know. Still. I don't know if there would actually be Knicks a getting revenge on Reggie Miller, baby. Woo! They they need time to uh, what's it called to get back into shape into game shape and. So I don't I don't know if so, buys so if are the Spurs exactly so basically happen. sorry if the Spurs played Oklahoma City in the first round because OKC would be the five seed and obviously the top four wouldn't have the buy would I don't think a one game play game would be fair I think a three game actually no I think a five game series would really be spot on here yeah with with maybe a four or five day break and then being able to um go back and then go back in to um a top seven game series best of everything. Yeah, I think that uh, all build it up to that first best of seven with the championship. You know, the best of fives are a very good way to do it. It's efficient and and still, like, gives time. Even a best of three at the beginning I could see 
but that might be a little too short as well. No, I don't like it. I like, I, I'm telling you, I like it. I, if, if this is going to happen, it's a best of five. Yeah. Um, I just, five. I just hate having to look at the 12th seed and 11th seed and even 10 and seeing Charlotte, the Bulls, and the Knicks. It's like, they don't deserve to, the Knicks don't deserve to be playing the Pacers. Yes, but literally one, amazing, but one team will discount them just like you are, and they'll be like, ah, we basically got to buy two, and then they're going to lose. That is going to happen if we'll it, if, I mean, if obviously they take this format, but it's going to happen. And what happened? Not bad for a team with four power forwards. You know what I'm saying, man? Like, <laughs> made it to the playoffs. What? Like, <laughs> okay. Only so, took coronavirus to get the but, Knicks to the playoffs. So the last thing I wanted to bring up this last topic, and then we'll go into um, we'll go into our our, our games. Um, is for both NHL and NBA if they start with the playoffs just in the same thing for the NFL where they, we talked, there's a little bit of, if you have the buy, sometimes it hurts the team because you don't play that week. You can't gain that momentum. Now for teams, does the buy really hurt them? Because this, because when they play in the playoffs for the first time in the round of 16, that this will be their first games playing officially against, a, against the team at full game speed and everything. And and the other team now has five, four, five, three, four, five games under their belt. So as having that buy potentially hurt these teams, obviously they advance one round further in the playoffs, but the rust there, the rust is going to be there. Like, would you want that? You are a hundred percent right. That's why the Rams have never been able to capitalize on success because uh, Sean McVay, he takes like every buy that he can get. He sat. He sat everyone through the preseason two years ago. They got off to a horrendously slow start. Uh, then he sat them uh, week 17 before a playoff game, and they ha- they lost the playoff game because they had such a slow start. Uh, the, the rust is very real when all these other players, they, they have momentum. The snowball effect is really it's, – it's real. Momentum's so important. And, and think, think about this, Jordan. You're bringing – I completely agree, but you're bringing up a topic of – Hey, we played 16 weeks. I'm going to give you a rest, and then you're going to get a game in. How about not playing for three months, yeah. and then immediately going back into game speed? So it's even worse. Yeah, in this case. I mean, do all the practice you want. It's not the same as game speed. Absolutely true. true. Austin, Austin, I want to swing this to you, but give give us the last word here, and then we'll go into our games. I mean, it's just an unfortunate circumstance that we're in the midst of a pandemic, and then trying to get sports back into the swing of things. You know, it's a tough decision to make, definitely, because you also have to think about, you know, how we progress in the future. Even though this season is going to be looked at with an asterisk because it stopped midway through, we're going to have to do something. And I think that although, like, it's interesting that we're looking at so many different things on how this could go wrong, we still have to kind of, like, do something about it. So that's just all I have to leave it at. Oh, so there's so many seasons that people have said, though, oh, would be an asterisk, um, one that... Uh, that like 2011, 2012 season in the NBA when they played 60, I want to say 66 games. Mm-hmm. You'll be like, oh well, the, uh, it wasn't a full regular season. No one, no one even remembers that that there was that there wasn't a full like regular season. Um, so there's so much stuff that happens that you know the the sports world has to put put their lives on hold for for the rest of the world. And what are people going to say? Be uh, 2001. I know this is not a good comparison, but. When 9-11 happened, the baseball world was put on hold for a few weeks. 
is it fair? Is it fair to I'd say, hey, well, well, I had you know the, the the easiest games coming up on the schedule, and all of a sudden now I didn't play them, so I didn't make the playoffs, and now now there's a there's now there's an asterisk to whoever wins the World Series. Like, it's not it. Sorry, I'm just laughing at like the the prospect of an owner being like, "This is so unfair." 9/11 cost me the playoffs. <laughs> Poor me. Poor my team. Yeah, but like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, there's Ridiculous. always stuff that that can happen, and like, never so, imagine that. And and and, and ask no. an asterisk here. An asterisk there would be like, okay, but you still you still won the championship. Sure, there was a break, but what you do on your own time during a break is your responsibility. Like. If the Pelicans got their shit together, we basically maybe they would have started six and twenty-one, like, and maybe they and maybe they would be the eight seed in the playoffs. So we wouldn't have to have this conversation. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that that's just my take on it. Why don't we go into our last topic? Um, and that's yeah, Austin. I know. I I I I said. I cursed on, on our radio show. Okay, probably, probably the first one. Appreciate it. Um, I didn't know another word to say. I so. mean, it, that's a creative choice that you are allowed to make. It's all in with Jesse Levine. It is up to you. At the end of the day. It's your like, show. We, it's we, your show. We, I was just asking, are we allowed? <laughs> we, we ain't handcuffed by St. John's anymore. So <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, St. John's doesn't have control of our stuff anymore. So the last topic on the show, we're going to be going over our most memorable game of the decade and we were potentially going to have this with six people but we kind of just stuck with it with our three and jordan myself and Austin have come up with three different games in three different sports um actually kind of all funny enough around the similar timeline of in in the last four four years or so but uh, Jordan, why don't I swing it to you first? What is your game that's most memorable for the decade for you? I'll go first because mine's the most obvious. It's Super Bowl 52. Uh, and it's more than just the game itself. It's just how much that whole time was. Like the week leading up to it, the, the even the week bu- uh, or two weeks before uh, with the NFC championship game, just absolutely beating the crap out of the, the Vikings. But that championship meant so much to that city at the time because obviously there was everything going on with Meek Mill at the time where he was uh, unfairly imprisoned and charged. He was getting threatened with like 10 years because he violated his parole, which was really getting uh, pulled over for doing wheelies in New York City. Like there were so many things happening and a city that is as historic as Philadelphia and yet is never treated with respect in almost any industry. Like the Eagles are a top five history, historic and revenue bringing a franchise in, in the NFL. And yet they never had that validation of a Super Bowl ring. You know, music, the music scene in Philadelphia is elite, but it never gets the attention. The movie industry in Philadelphia is elite and hasn't gotten attention for the past like 20 years. And with exceptions of like Silver Linings Playbook and M. Night Shyamalan just filmed a movie here in Philly. But that championship was a validation of everything that was going on with Philadelphia. It it was a validation of Meek's injustice, of we, like we deserve, we earned the respect that we felt that we deserve. And then, you know, two years later, we're right back where we were. So nothing's changed. <laughs> but it was really great for like two minutes. <laughs> um, But, you know, there, there's, I also think that there's so much more. It's also... The uh, yes, the, the actual the actual game was an incredible game. It was a tremendous so, game. It was the second. You could, 
You can talk about this as the first time a backup quarterback has won a champ- a Super Bowl championship. You look at the Philly special play. Yeah, it was um, the most uh, most yards in a Super Bowl, second most amount of points in a Super Bowl. Did and Tom Brady throw for over 500 yards that game as well? He did, yes. Er, yeah, so wait, no, he was over 400 yards, not 500. Yards. It was, I believe, I'm pretty sure it was close to 500, though. Yeah, he, um, he threw an insane amount of yards. But so, yeah, it, it was an absolutely historic game as well. And I'll also, I'll always remember, y'all know that uh, I have chronic nosebleed issues where like some, I just get nosebleeds at like the weirdest times. When uh, that strip sack happened in the fourth quarter, Brandon Graham punches the ball out of Tom Brady's hands to, to give us the ball back with like three minutes left. I got so hyped, my nose started bleeding. Like I, <laughs> like I had I blood you, you, you all went back over to my Philly face. For the game, right? I did, yeah. I was taking Amtrak's at five in the morning just to get back to just to get back to a, a seven thirty class. It, it was such an that. amazing time of of my life, and I, I I'll always remember like after that strip sack, everyone had like Fitbits and Apple watches, and they were getting like notifications like, "Oh, your heart rate spiked." Like, are you okay? Everyone's like, oh, I got 160. I got 120. I was like, my effing nose is bleeding. Like, I won. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 yeah, so Super Bowl 52 will always be the best sports experience of my life. Even, like, just being with so many friends and family, it, it was so great and for so many, many reasons. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, me- I remember you talking about, like, going nuts, and I remember you going, obviously, to – to Philly, um, I bet on the Patriots that game, so that, that was not <laughs> a game for me, and I don't remember anything about that. Um, Austin, I'll swing it to you, and I'll, I'll go last on mine. All right. Um, there, This was kind of tough because you had to look back, you know, for, like every single like game, dude. But um, for me, you know, one game that sticks out to me was Cavs-Warriors Christmas Day 2016. And just the whole backstory of it, you know, we all remember, we all know Cavs won 2016 finals, came back from a three to one deficit, beat the Warriors who won 73 games that year. Um, And then that summer they sign Kevin Durant and just become, they just became this huge like monster that, you know, teams had to kind of like overthrow. Um, So this was like the first game that they were playing, like the Cavs were going against like the new Warriors with Kevin Durant. And there was just so the the game was just so competitive. You saw like so much fight within, you know, LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and even the Warriors. Like it was a a beautiful game. Things that like I remember from that game specifically was LeBron stealing the ball from Steph Curry and, you know, he had a wide open dunk. You know, the lane was open. He just dunked it. Then Steph Curry, they inbound the ball. Steph Curry passes it to Kevin Durant. He drives to the basket, dunks on Kevin Love and does a stare down. And Kevin Love just completely ignores that, throws a full court pass to LeBron on the other side and LeBron dunks it again. To me, all that within like, what, 20 seconds was probably like the best sequence of basketball like I have ever seen. And I'm not a Cavs or Warriors fan. I'm sadly a Knicks fan, but that was just probably one of like the the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in in the game of basketball. Um, And then you had like some, like some better moments, like the veteran Richard Jefferson, think what you want about him, but he had like two dunks. And for a guy that had, that's 36 years old and dunking like that and dunking on Clay Thompson. I mean, that just got me pumped. That, That was pretty cool. And then finally, I mean, you can't think about that game without thinking about Kyrie Irving 
in the fourth quarter, saving the, keeping the Cavaliers in the game, splitting the defense and going for a wide open layup. And then on top of that, doing a game winning shot over Clay Thompson to win the game. That to me was probably the most competitive game I have ever seen. And to me, that just sticks out. And that's why it's my favorite game of the entire decade. Wow. I mean, I, 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 swear, I remember what, Seeing it, and then when my friend called me up, he goes, "Bro, Kyrie just saved Christmas." <laughs> <laughs> and um, I love it. Um, my favorite game of the decade, uh, favorite game of the decade is it's a really it's a two part because it's a uh, soccer Champions League match. So basically, for anyone that doesn't understand the way so- uh, Champions League works in the knockout stages, is, is there's two rounds. There's a game at home and there's a game away. Oh, so there's a there's a home for and a, a home for both teams. And this was Barca versus Paris Saint-Germain. And the way the scoring works is, let's say that the scoring at the end of two games is five goals for Barcelona, five goals for Paris Saint-Germain. So, you know, however however that breakdown works, it's 5-5. Five, five. If Barcelona or PSG, they have more away goals than the other team, then the team with the more away goals advances. If they both have the equal amount of same goals. So let's say Barca won the game at home um or let's just let's just yeah whatever it is let's just say that barca had at one point three away goals and psg had two but they both had the same uh score barca would go through because they have more away goals it's kind of stupid but that's the the way scoring works but if they have the same amount of away goals they play an extra time so in this case paris and german had the first leg which so was that it was barca went to paris to play the game psg obliterated them 4-0 PSG. So now you're looking, Barca has to come back home, play PSG on their home turf, and basically has to win 4 nothing. But the biggest concern is that if the PSG scores one goal, it's, they're basically done because Barca would have to score six because if it's five goals, PSG has that one away goal while Barca doesn't have an away goal. So Barca immediately comes out, scores a goal with Suarez in the first minute. Uh, th- it was at minute three. Literally just went over the line. The crowd's already going nuts because it's like this team, which is one of the greatest teams in soccer, is, you know, it's like, oh, you could feel the momentum coming. They don't score for a while. Bunch of good chances on both sides. Um, Ter Stegen, Barca's goalie, really played an, an incredible game to keep a minute. Um, you had an own goal from PSG, from their left back, Kozawa, um, which kind of just deflected and it went in. And again, fans are going nuts. 2-0 at halftime. 50th minute, Neymar dribbles the ball on the left side. Debatable penalty, but they give him a penalty. Messi scores the penalty. Now it's 3-0. You're like, oh my God, one more goal in this game is tied up. And this is an incredible comeback. Bunch of good chances on both sides. Good saves on both sides. All of a sudden, 62nd minute, PSG puts this great sequence together. Kind of takes a little bit of deflection. Edison Cavani right at the top of the box, blasted upper left corner. And you're like, ball game, game over. PSG is going to win the game. Now Barca has to score three goals because they score two. Again, PSG's uh, up on away goals. Mm-hmm. 70th minute, nothing. 80th minute, nothing. 88th minute, they get a penalty, and you're like, okay, great. The game, uh, not penalty, sorry, a free kick. The game's over. Doesn't matter on the left side. Neymar whips the ball and makes this like this incredible curve from outside the box. Honestly, the goalie should have saved it, um, but he didn't die. But he really just didn't dive. He just watched it go in top left corner. So you're like, oh, my God, brilliant goal, but who cares? Two minutes later, Suarez kind of goes flying in the box, gets tackled, goal, penalty. So like Neymar comes up, blasted, goal. 
So now like, oh my God, they just scored two goals in two minutes, but they only have about a minute left. Doesn't really matter. So what? So, so what? One minute later, Barca puts this amazing sequence together and literally the last second they throw a little like set play on a uh, free kick, chip ball into the middle and a set basically on a few pass set piece. They're right, it, like either right mid or now he kind of plays right back for them. Sergio Roberto just comes in, fl- flies in, volleys the ball into the back of the net in the last second. Barca wins the game. If you look at Unai Emery, who was the head coach of PSG at the time, came to Arsenal. Terrible coach. Absolutely hate him. Um, <laughs> he's scum. Unai Emery is scum. And he also says good evening. He doesn't say good evening. He says good evening. Which That's right. That's yeah, nice. Yeah. It's like the. Um, you just get the disgust on his face. He couldn't believe it. The Barca crowd is going nuts. I would have like I, I've been to Camp Nou, which is Barca Stadium, and I know how crazy it is. I can't imagine how insane that would have been. It's considered to be the arguably the greatest soccer comeback in history, um, especially with the fact that it was three goals with uh, in, in the last five minutes. So that's my game of the decade. Um, the only other one I was really debating on to pick was the Jenkins at the buzzer for the championship. UNC versus Villanova, just because that last minute sequence with Marcus Page in the double clutch three pointer yeah. to Jenkins hitting the chip, uh, hitting the three for the championship was uns- insane. That would have been my other one. What what would have, if you didn't pick yours? What would have been your other ones? I'm just curious. You don't you don't need to go in depth, but what would have been your pick, Jordan? Who? So I know I'm kind of, I know I'm throwing a, re- kind of refer- curveball. At you. Rephrase like ask the question again of like like just most meaningful or most entertaining. Like like a game that you re- a game that you will remember because it was such a great game of the decade. Alex Smith beating the Patriots fully. Uh, that week two, what was that? Oh, I, I know what you're talking about three oh, years man. ago. Is that three years ago where Tom Brady was- just won the Super Bowl and then week two Alex Smith just completely kills them. That that was I, such a great game. Yeah, there was like talk for like that solid week of Alex Smith being MVP. I was like, <laughs> yes, there, there I was, was like, oh there was my photoshops God. of him on the next Madden. It was <laughs> yeah. what a time to be alive. Awesome. What have been yours? I know I'm going to be a little biased, but for me, it would have to be Kobe 60 point game because as a as a kid growing up, being a huge Kobe Bryant fan, um, and seeing how his career was on going down with injuries and you know, just a legendary career for a legendary player for him to go out with 60 points in his final game and him saying that he didn't have any legs or he was so tired and he didn't want to perform, but he still did it anyway. To me, that's the purest definition of Mamba mentality. And uh, it's so sad about what happened uh, this year. Uh, But to me, that moment of his last game will be talked about forever. And to me, you, that, that would be probably my second bet favorite game of the entire decade. Yeah, I love it. Um, that kind of wraps up our show, boys. Um, I kept it under an hour as we tried to do. So why don't we come back? We're going to be on here next week again. We're going to be talking about different, uh, more topics as the sports world changes. So, so we're all topics, basically, as we try to decide them, you know, literally minute to minute. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much for tuning into the show. Jordan, as always, thank you so much for putting this on the air. Go give him a shout always. out. OTF Jordan on Twitter. Probably, honestly, the best NFL takes that I've seen on Twitter. Someone that at least isn't recognized enough. I try. Um, thank you. Yeah, but literally, it's got, got some serious fire takes and uh, really knows his stuff. Um, Austin, how, Austin, how can people reach you? Instagram, Twitter, what's best? Um, follow me on Instagram, AustinFabiano13. Uh, I'm going to leave with this. 
Uh, and Leon Rose, we trust. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that's all I'm going to end it on. In Leon Rose, we trust. That's my that's my parting message. There, there you go. Yeah, I'm not the biggest on Twitter either. Hit me up, Jesse Levine 30 on Instagram. Let me know what you guys think of the show. Always thank you so much for watching. And we'll be back next week. We'll catch you guys. Thanks so much. See ya. Bye-bye. Peace out.